Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefers Initiative. This is the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy the show. This is 119, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is too, but ladies and gentlemen, this episode 119, we think, of the Herpeticulture Podcast, just part of the Herpeticulture Network. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefers Initiative. And this show was brought to you by Steve Snakeshire and his Venom Hot Sauces. If you haven't tried them, get your hands on some. They are quite delicious. The cottonmouth one is my favorite. We keep we say that almost every week, but that's because that's the one you definitely got to try. Uh, and then Sean at MP Cages and Exotics. So if you need a really nice rack, really nice cage, Sean's the guy. Uh, been more than happy with the stuff I've gotten from him. Going to have some more in the future, hopefully with some beads in them within the next two months, hopefully. We'll see. But nice. Definitely check out Sean Instagram, Facebook, mpcagesandexotics.com. And who are we joined by tonight, Philip? Tonight, tonight we are joined by a very personal friend of mine. His name is Manny, and he hails from Tiki's Geckos. Say hello, Manny. Hey, everybody. Uh, Justin, Phil, thank you for having me on the show. It's a, it's you know, it's a real honor, and thank you, Phil. You know, we're we're close friends, as Phil mentioned. So I'm excited to talk to you guys and get to know you, Justin. Yeah, man. Uh, how did how did you come to meet this? this mustache (laughs) (laughs) so um i actually met him i used to work at underground reptiles a couple years ago um we were already you know working with reptiles and selling them but i kind of actually david and i both had the same idea um basically to learn a little bit how you know a bigger company does it how it works you know because if this is something we wanted to do for a living It's a good idea, you know, to see what people who are successful and what they do and how they do things. So, you know, I decided to work on reptiles. They're definitely the biggest in Florida and probably the biggest online reptile shop in the country. And uh, so I was working for them and Phil's actually goes there a lot. He I know he did a lot of the venomous classes, uh, did a lot of the stuff with the venomous animals. So just being there. Um, is where I really got to meet and know Phil. And then we had a common interest in like some geckos and abronias and specifically. Um, so then oh, you know, yeah. anytime he'd be around, we start talking probably sometimes for like an hour or two hours about different animals. And that's how, you know, that's how we began our friendship. Yeah. He's a horrible influence. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, it, it's been a wild ride, man. And uh, the crazy part is, you know, uh, Manny's actually really good friends with my roommate. So I, yeah. I, I, I see, I see the two of them, they go fishing a lot. And I'm like, what the hell? You guys are going fishing without me? But it was like, I wasn't going to go anyway. Never mind. <laughs> so it's good, man. I love it. So uh, so do you have the same, I don't want to say cliche story that we all have of, oh, I was a kid. Oh, I got a leopard gecko and the snowball rolls from there. Or was this something a little more different? It's a little different. I actually didn't get my first reptile until I was like 18, 19 years old. Um, I always loved animals, um, growing up as a kid, actually the first interest I took in animals was when I would catch fish with my grandfather in my backyard when I was a little kid, probably like four or five years old. And to me, I was just so, so taken away by them, so interested by them. And, um, 
basically since then. And my parents have always had dogs. I've had birds. Actually, my first breeding experience came as a kid with lovebirds with my dad. So breeding them, hatching them, raising them, all that. So I was always very interested in different animals. You know, like like probably like the rest of us, we grew up watching the Crocodile Hunter, a um, yeah. bunch of different shows on National Geographic, Discovery. And um, I used to actually breed fish. That was the first thing I bred on my own. Um, was in speci specifically, I used to breed betta fish that I used to import from Thailand, breed them and sell them. And then um, I actually started hanging out with David and he, you know, as you, as you guys know, uh, but for everybody else, he actually started Tiki's Geckos when he was in high school. And um, I started hanging out with him and we had a lot of things in common. And then he really started introducing me to the reptile world because I knew about reptiles, but nobody around me liked them or nobody around me would be like, Hey, let's go to this reptile shop. Hey, let's go to this reptile sh uh, show, you know? So I didn't have experience with them. And then hanging out with David, I would go to his house. I would help him feed crested geckos. And, you know, and we started hanging out a lot because we had the same passion. And then he actually sold me my first crested gecko when I was like 18 years old. And then from then it's really taken off. And I liked reptiles more than fish because I could actually interact with them yeah <laughs> with fish like you know they're kind of in the glass and especially breeding beta fish you know you can't house them together so i had a bunch of like containers just set up, 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 up one by one by mm -hmm. one it was a lot of work it was a lot of work daily water changes it was a lot of work and you know like i said you can't really do anything with them you can look at them they're gorgeous animals you can't really do much i mean you can so play with them I, but it's not gonna not gonna end yeah it. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you can't um so then I got my first crested gecko and then I actually would, you know, do breedings with his because I only had one. Then I would get another one and then another one. And then it just started growing from there. But for me, it didn't really change until I got a panther chameleon. I got a panther chameleon. I remember from camouflage creations, called him ayahuasca because he looked like a trip. He was like four different colors. <laughs> and um, that's cool, man. Yeah. And honestly, like that just blew me away. And then that's where I started breeding chameleons. And that's where I really started in this, you know, reptile journey that, that I'm currently in right now. So it's a little bit different, kind of the same as everybody else, yeah. but just yeah, I didn't get into it until I was like 18 though. So that's cool, man. It's cool. It's a good story. Yeah, so I, like Palmetto Coast Exotics, I started like when I when I decided to to do just breeding on the side, you know, be it a, a hobby business and, you know, eventually something a little more serious that takes up a little more time. Uh, I started with Cresteds and I, there was a point where I, I was watching a lot of y'all's videos and and stuff. So there was, you know, I really enjoyed them. Uh, eventually, you know, went I back love to hearing snakes, that, man. You know, I, I love like that we could be a positive influence mm -hmm. to anybody and, and like. And you must have been watching it then when we were like young and like this one. Yeah, I look like I, 2016 is 2016. when I when, like, when, when I decided to make PCE a thing. So right, and I, I, I it's funny we look at sometimes the old videos because some people like ask us, hey, care information, care information. Yeah. it's a lot easier just to send a video that we made exactly and just break everything down through message, yep. through text, through phone, whatever. And you see, I was like, dang, we were I did little the same kids, thing man. with green trees, and it made life so yeah. much easier when people had questions. Oh, so much easier. And, um, you know, that's one of the things I love that a lot of people do mention our videos, and they are like, you know, they've helped a lot. And um, that's the reason we do them, man. Because, you know, like there wasn't that much information out there, especially when we started the YouTube channel. There was some, but not that much. A lot of conflicting information. So yeah. we just started to make videos on how we've had luck working with animals. 
Yeah, and then I think last year was was it last year, Phil, that we were at Daytona and you guys had those Japanese cave geckos that oh yeah like burned into my mind with how cool they were. Yeah, those things were yeah. awesome. Yeah, man, they're awesome. We actually um, we're actually raising some to breed now. We have the Japanese, the Orientalis. We have like two or three different species right now. They're they're super cool gecko, man. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had some babies um, not too long ago, man. If I would have known, I would have saved you a baby. I've They're, sworn off things with legs, but I also have a ton of people trying to try to force ackies on me. And, oh yeah, yeah. You know, those knob are, tails keep cool. popping up in my mind, and strophurus and the beaded lizards. So like, yeah, I got you, rid of I got out of dart frogs because I was like, I'm done with things with legs. I'm just sticking to snakes. <laughs> yeah, but and you guys course, got a uh, you guys got Aussie leaf tails recently, right? Yeah, we've had them now for I think since for about like eight months now. We we have some uh, younger ones that are, should be ready to breed next year, and we actually got an older uh, yearling pair about also like six months ago from Phil Tremper. So we should be breeding them soon. Um, they're super freaky, man. Yeah, they're just they're like aliens. Lizard. Yeah, and they don't have like regular gecko toes. It's almost like a like an anole kind of, which really th- just a little bit harder, kind of more like a bearded dragon. Um, but it, that's that's really weird for um, you know for a leaf tail gecko because we're all used to the Madagascar leaf tail geckos yeah. and Europlatus, which have just standard gecko toes. Um, but they're, they're they're I can't wait for those things to start breeding. And apparently they're like easy like crested geckos. We keep them just like crested geckos, mm-hmm. um, just in a bigger enclosure, a little bit more ventilation, but temperature, humidity, same thing. And apparently they breed as easy. So we'll see. Hopefully by the end of the year we'll have our first um group paired up and hopefully soon after we'll have some babies awesome so you're still doing the abronia stuff right not really we kind uh, of yeah we kind of gave up on that um we've had them for like five six years at this point we've had graminia lithrochila teniata you know probably like six seven species in total We've tried breeding them for years. We've tried different methods, keeping them together. We've tried, you know, separating them and putting them together during brumation. Um, and then, you know, when they wake up, it's breeding season. I've even caught them locking up. And they lock up for like an hour, hour and a half. They lock up for a long time, never produced a single baby. Um, you know, so we did end up, unfortunately, selling most of the collection. I did give some away to a good friend of mine who she has produced them in the past. So, because that's an animal that, you know, it's an endangered animal. It's a, and it's a incredible animal. It deserves mm-hmm. to be reproduced. So I was like, I'm going to, we can, let's sell some, but I do want to give some to somebody who is going to be able to, you know, breed them in the future. Yeah. yeah. We had Nick Gordon on not that long ago. Uh, he's with the Abroni Alliance and he talked about yeah. just how tough they are to, to like, they're for whatever reason, they're just, you know, they're, they're not easy snakes, uh, lizards to breed. Yeah, and I wonder if that has to do with them being in such high altitude. Maybe the, you know, the atmosphere pressures. Maybe it has to do with mm-hmm. some stuff like that. But being in South Florida, man, it's just not the, it's probably not the place for it. And you know, they do need to get cool. Their winters are very cold, and here we're lucky if we get, you know, as you guys know, like sixty degree yeah. weather for an extended period of time. That is winter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not complaining, but the Abronias need it colder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's cool, man. Yeah. So how did the like at what point was it that you and, and David decided to team up? 
Um, like, was there so, something in particular that that transpired? Not really. There wasn't like one moment that was like, oh, let's you know, let's do this. Um, he, like I had mentioned before, he had already been doing this. It wasn't as it wasn't ser- as serious. It, you know, he wasn't. It was more like a hobby at that mm-hmm. point. And, um, and then he started taking it a bit more serious. And then, um, I started taking it more serious. Cause like I told you, I had crested geckos for like a year or two before I actually decided to try to breed these animals. And then once I started kind of getting the chameleons, breeding my own geckos, um, blue tongue skinks, all that. And as soon as that stuff all started growing, that was always the plan. We're not just, you know, business partners. We're also best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always kind of the plan and you know once um we were actually looking for a place together not for us to live but for the animals because he had his stuff in his mom's garage i had my stuff in you know when i was in my parents house in their room in Mm -hmm. my room and then the chameleons outside the backyard and then this was probably like three years ago now and then um we finally found a spot and then we moved everything together and that's you know and then since then we've been doing this full time that's that's around the time we both quit from our regular day jobs and, um, you know, took the plunge to do this full time. Yeah. Cause like you guys got, what's it probably about 3000 square feet indoors and probably like 2000 square feet outdoors. Um, it's about, I think, I think the, it was about 2000 square feet indoors, okay. probably around a thousand outdoors. The, we don't have much of a yard. We have enough space to put up like a couple tegu cages, all the chameleons, day geckos, all that stuff outside. Um, we do have a good amount of room, but now we're actually looking for something bigger because we're at, we're at capacity. We've been at capacity. So, you know, you guys still have those false chameleons. Oh yeah, of course. And we're actually yeah. breeding them pretty good too. Um, there was a moment where, um, David kind of wanted to get rid of all of them cause they weren't the thing with those anoles is they don't produce the best. So, and they're, they're very annoying where just like all of these anoles where they lay their eggs anywhere and they dry up right away. If you, if you don't catch yeah, it, they don't I like, they don't do it in a lay box. They, they just do it wherever they feel like it. Um, so we did sell off a couple pairs, but I kind of convinced them to kind of, let's keep, let's keep a trio around, you know, let's see how it happens. Then we started producing them. And now, you know, we're kind of actually hold, we hold back some that we produced a year ago that are almost ready to breed. We have some males hold, we're holding back. So now we're actually starting to build back up the collection we have, but we're still, we're breeding them. We're producing them pretty well now. Cool, man. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. That's, I think, that's a great pet animal, by the way, whoever is interested out there, that makes such a great, it's not like a Cuban, um, Cuban night and all where it's super angry or anything. It's one of the (laughs) most docile reptiles, I think. I've ever worked with just naturally. They don't ever try to bite. They don't ever, they don't even run. Like they're yeah. slow. They're not very fast animals. They make great pets. They get good size. Super easy, man. So easy yeah. to care for. And so that's why yeah, I like that, them a lot. Is that the kind of stuff that you guys like as far as like, cause you guys are in a very unique position industry wise where you're doing it full time. And so mm-hmm. I like that does sort of change the way you would do things. I would think, you know, if it was just a side thing, like what me and Phil do, um, you know, does does that kind of stuff play a factor into what you guys choose to to bring on and, and take on and produce? And 
Definitely. Um, definitely does to a degree, you know, like with the Abronias, we love Abronias to death, but we just couldn't keep them around because they aren't producing. You know, we, this is how we make our living. This is how we pay rent. This is how we pay for our food. This is how we pay for everything. So we do, you know, we do have to be business minded with these animals, but we, we don't get into stuff just because it's popular. We get into stuff that we like. Because I, and I think at the end of the day, if you don't get into something, if you're working with an animal just because it's popular, you're not going to do well with it. You know, the reason yeah. I think we do well yeah. is with these animals is because we genuinely enjoy having this particular species. You know, we really enjoy it, whether it's the crested, the blue tongues, any of that. We really, really like them. I actually, we just got some, a pair of um, ornate Euromastics. Oh, I've been nice. wanting those for years. Um, I love euros, man. Yeah, so, so like cool. you know, we have a bunch of different stuff, but we only get stuff that we really like, like those leaf tails. I didn't even we didn't even know they existed until like we went to I think it was Tinley Park a couple years ago, and Phil Tremper had them on his table, and that's all we could talk about for like six months, <laughs> you know. And then we finally got some, and now hopefully we start breeding them. So we do have to be business minded. We do have to work with things that you know, that are going to make us money at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And we do have to be cost effective with, you know, our stuff, but we also work with animals. We genuinely enjoy. Yeah. It's just, that's a tough thing to sort of navigate because, you know, obviously you have to, you have to pay bills and stuff and, uh, yep. you know, so yeah, exactly. Do you, so one thing when I was breeding Cresteds, you know, I'm sure you've, you've been asked this a lot, but I always, you know, constantly hear it in, in, in groups and online and stuff of, you know, Oh, the crested market's super saturated. Do you have any opinions on that? Cause <sighs> I didn't have an issue really selling any. I wasn't, you know, none of mine were like super top tier, like Lily whites. None of that. It was all, it was nice stuff. Like I, I put money into nice animals. Right. Um, but I, I never really had an issue. And so when you I heard people say, you know, the market's so saturated with Cresteds, I was like, I mean, it is. But the demand's also there to kind of match Yeah, it. that's what I was going to say. So the market, there is a lot of people breeding Crested Geckos. I mean, literally anyone can breed a Crested Gecko. They're very easy. It's yeah. as easy as putting a male and a female together. Um, so there is a lot of people breeding them. But there's also a very high demand. I tell you, like, we we must produce hundreds of I don't. I, I can't tell you a number. I, I wish I knew. But we we never have enough. You know, we're producing hundreds of hundreds of crested geckos alone. And then we're also, you know, buying some just to fill the demand. And even that's yeah. not enough. So it, it might it's probably it's definitely harder probably for like new people to start off with crested geckos because you do kind of got to build a name. But if you have quality animals, quality animals are always going to sell. I think quality that's, that's always the difference. Sells. Yeah. You get people yeah. that get the, you know, the Craigslist crested that is just pretty much brown with no pattern no nothing it looks like a right. wild caught crested <laughs> and they pair it up with another one that looks similar and then you know i think they're under the impression that you know these are going to sell like crazy it's like you do and i i never dumped it like think the most expensive gecko that i got in my collection was from pangea and it was three or four hundred bucks you know but, yeah we spent I mean, a lot more on crested yeah i mean I, <laughs> I, like, I, I never i never got too crazy with it but i had some nice animals and i had friends locally that had some nice animals so we ended up you know doing some trading and stuff right. and you know i never had an issue selling them and i wasn't someone that really put myself out there too much as far as like advertising a lot of people just you know somehow found me right yeah exactly and that's how it is like they're just the demand for them is so high especially their their pet value mm -hmm. um is so high because it does make one of the easiest beginner reptile pets out there not needing yep. the UV, not needing the heat, not even needing to feed a, that many crickets. Like, mm -hmm. 
that makes life, especially for somebody who's not used to reptiles, you know, like oh, somebody yeah. getting oh, their, yeah. their kid who's interested in a reptile They're a lot of times they're freaked out by bugs. They're freaked out by mealworms, by crickets, by superworms, by all that. And just having something that they can feed, like what looks like a smoothie. And even a lot of the times it smells good. Like I would sometimes think about trying the crested gecko dyes because they smell so good. Like, you know, it's <laughs> a lot easier for people like that. I was tempted yeah. to as well, and I never did it. I, I mean, I actually have. <laughs> the watermelon one always smelled really good. Oh, yeah, that's a, yep, that's a good. I tried that one. I tried a couple of flavors, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up with the melanistic one? The, um, you mean the melanistic or the exanthic? Crusty yeah, gecko, right? Because I saw you guys so, got a melanistic crusty, right? Yeah, the melanistic is the most recent one, isn't it? Like, right? exanthics yeah, have been around a while. We don't own it. That's uh, I think a guy in Korea, if I'm not mistaken, he hypes out some melanistics, and it's different from the exanthic. These guys have the actual actually have a black eye, so yeah. it's something brand new. This must have they he must have started hatching them like a couple months ago, like the first the first baby, and so this is something very very new. Um, still got to see if it's you know recessive. Is it incomplete dominance? Like what? Like what, how this gene works? But it's very exciting, man. Um, so we're hopefully we get we can get some in the near future. But you know, so far I think only one or two people have hatched out melanistics, and they actually came from the original guy's stock. Like he sold off some some babies that I get you know he didn't realize uh, were pos heads or heads melanistic. And then that, that person also ended up producing some melanistics. Um, so that's very cool, man. And that that can like that can just take off projects, man. You know, yeah. like like oh, you yeah. guys are snake people. Like the ball pythons didn't get kicking until what? Like the all those morphs started coming out. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. in crested geckos, there's not very many like recessive traits, codom. You only really have the lily whites and the exantics. So if they're this popular now, imagine once these morphs start coming out, like the melanistics, and if some other stuff comes out, because I've seen freaky animals, some that even look like translucent, that's you cool, know, man. crested geckos. But you know, we got that stuff's got to prove out. It's got to be able to be reproduced, and then you know, when a lot of people start getting their hands on it and start breeding it, that's when stuff is just probably going to take off even more. Yeah. On that melanistic, do, does anyone have an, a mature animal yet? A melanistic or just no, babies? Not- yeah, just babies. Because like, because like, you can totally tell by looking at that baby, it is straight up melanistic. Like, there's no mm-hmm. light colors at all. The yeah. eyes are black, the lips are mm-hmm. black. But dude, I can't wait for that thing to grow up. Because like, I'm not even a crested guy, but that thing <laughs> is gonna look so freaking cool. I it's, know. I'm I'm very yeah. excited to see what it looks like. I know the parents. They're dark parents. They're like, uh, but they're not. They're not melanistic. So it could be that it's like a visual head type mm-hmm. of thing. And then, um, but you know, we'll only figure that out with, you know, with time and breeding. Um, so, I mean, that's, I can't wait to see that. Cause I like the Xanthics. A lot of people go crazy for the Xanthics. I'm not the biggest fan. I like Lily White's way more, but this melanistic man. Oh my God. I can't wait to see it as an adult. Yeah. I'm more excited to see what, like what people are going to do with those in combination with one another, you know, like yeah. the Lily White's into that and, and Dalmatians and, you know, just all the, all the stuff you can you can put together. Uh, could you imagine if they did a like a, a reverse Dalmatian or like a negative Dalmatian, like black with white spots? <laughs> like how crazy that'd be, would that be? Yeah, that'd be sick, man. I 
I'd love to uh, do work with a project like that. Yeah, or imagine just like a jet black crusty, but the the horns and the, the lateral lines and the horns are still white. Like, how cool would that be? Yeah, uh, that'd be sick. Maybe you can get something like that with if you mix in the exantic gene, because the exantic gene does make the pins on the crested geckos like white, like mm -hmm. a nice clean white. Um, awesome. So maybe, maybe if you mix those two genes together, who knows? Yeah. Uh, what I'm waiting for is to hatch out uh, an albino crested gecko. That'd be sick. Because the good thing about albinos is when you mix that with other color morphs, it looks really, really cool. You can, you know, with the reds, you'll make like some oranges with the dark. You'll make you'll make a bunch of different colors. And then, you know, obviously, if you mix albino exantic or albino exantic or albino melanistic, you get some really, really freaky animals. It's just it's oh, funny yeah. how we reverse engineer these things. Like we find an animal that is created that first individual of a morph like the first albino and then we go back and we're like okay that one came from this and these two and those came from that and then we just like piece the rest of the puzzle together from that it's just it's so because we've done it with snakes and stuff too it's like this snake produced a you know albino chondros like there's those animals came from normal animals that no one would have ever suspected had any sort of like morph gene in them at all and of course i mean marshall mendez is like the only guy that has them but He's, he's yeah, produced a handful of them. Yeah, it's like uh, sometimes people just get lucky and you produce a freak. Uh, some mutation happens that just changes the color, the pattern or something. And and you you get some really, really stunning out, especially when you make the combinations, man. Especially when you make the combinations. Like I'm still yeah, blown man. away that, that that palmetto corns came from, you know, like someone found that. Those are my favorite. Like that my came from natural favorite. corns, like just that were out there. Yeah. That's so wild. I know that that happens. That's happened with a lot of animals. They just find mm -hmm. like a wild one that's just albino or melanistic. I know that's how for blue tongue skinks, an example. An example. Um, they uh, the albinos. Somebody just found in the wild, and same thing with the melanistic. And both and both in the New South Wales region, they just found them. Like, oh, okay. And then they're able to reproduce. And now you can. Now you have all these crazy morphs in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from one animal just being found in the wild. It's so crazy. Yeah, man. I uh, I remember the first time I ever held an adult lychee was at your place. Because, like, I had seen a bunch of babies and, like, juveniles. And I was like, oh, yeah, they get gigantic. And I remember watching that show as a kid. I don't know if it was Nat Geo or whatever. I don't even think Nat Geo was on TV back then. But they did this whole thing about the, the giant barking gecko of New Caledonia. And I was like... Dude, Manny's got one in the living room. Like, I gotta, I gotta see this thing. And it, you guys put it on my arm, and I was just like, "This thing is amazing. It's gigantic." And then I remember David's like, "Yeah, just be a little careful because he, he may take a chunk out of you from time to time." And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. "So, so you guys are still doing lychees?" Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, we have a lot of lychees right now. We have a lot of pairs, and we have a lot of ones growing out. Um, I think he. I think David was trolling you. Um, Leeches, like especially the Grand Terrors, the one. Those are the ones that get really big that come from the main island of New Caledonia, the mainland. Um, those can be cage aggressive, but usually once you get them out, they don't. They don't really bother you at all. They'll kind of just hang out on you. Um, we actually, I think the one we showed you is name is Shrek. We actually have one that's bigger <laughs> than him now. Really? Yeah, and she's she's um. She's a Grand Terre mix. So we mix with other localities in from Grand Terre. And she's only like two years old. And she's bigger than him. And she's still growing. Yeah, she's this thing probably, was the size of my forearm. 
This one's even bigger. <laughs> we just weighed them the other day. It's and it's a melanistic, so it's a dark morph. Yeah. So it's, I can't. I mean, it's probably going to be a pain trying to find a male for her because it's usually better for lychee because they are very aggressive breeders. You do once you pair them, like when we pair them up, we put them like somewhere where we're always around, like the office or somewhere, just because so we can see if one's getting bullied because they can kill each other overnight. Yeah. They're very yeah. nasty, especially the grand tears. They're very, they can be very nasty with each other. Um, but so usually you want the male to be a little bit bigger because usually the females can be really aggressive. So you want mm -hmm. the male to be a bit stronger. Man, this female's got to be, I say, close to 400 grams. And wow. just to give you an idea, the one that Phil held was probably around 350. He fluctuates like 320 to 350. Um, so, so this girl is much bigger and it's going to be hard finding a male, a really big male. Yeah, for her. Can handle her. <laughs> yeah. We, we actually picked one up for her at the same time. Cause they're both like from just monster lychee lines. And, um, but he's just not growing nearly as fast as she is. So that leads me to believe that he won't be as big though. He is big, but hopefully he can handle her and we can make some like 400, 450 gram lychees. That's, That's the biggest crazy. one I've ever held was 450 grams i have a picture of it somewhere on my phone the first time i went to tinley i was like i i was like can i please hold this like i got i gotta hold it i've seen you know tons of lychees but i was like <laughs> i've never seen anything this big it was literally from my palm probably to my bicep or something like around there it i was like there's no way this is a gecko this is way too big and just just for the people <laughs> listening just to put it in perspective so he's got a gecko that's 400 grams. My biggest knob tail that I ever had was 40 grams. I feel like and you then, can't even make that comparison, though. That's yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's that's the Hummers. Yeah, but think of like, why? So a, a diesel crested gecko is how many grams? Um, you can get some very big ones, like at around 60. There's some that even go to like 100 grams, but those are usually very overweight. But like a big lean crested geckos is going to be like around 60, 65. I've right. even again, like, so, and that's a yeah. that's still a big that's still a big gecko by normal gecko standards. You're talking 400 grams. That's crazy for a gecko. <laughs> for a for a gecko, right? Yeah, there I think the there only are thing ball pythons that aren't that big. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing, the only gecko that rivals that must be those uh, Tokay geckos. They dress up monitors as the, to look like Tokay's geckos. <laughs> those are the only things that can rival that. Yeah, man, <laughs> some some poor mangrove monitor with duct tape and plastic <laughs> spray painted blue with yellow dots. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys doing anything with Tokays? Um, I want to. I've always wanted to. We always get some in, but the demand for them is so high. Like they always convince me to let them go. I do have one captive bred female that comes from a patternless animal. Um, and this patternless mutation, they don't they don't know if it's a recessive patterning patternless because the one that's patternless, the mom, she actually was normal for like two, three years. And then I don't know where she just completely hmm. changed into a, like a patternless animal so i, I want to start working with, with them i'm trying to look for a male it's just right now man it's so hard to find anything since covid all it's so hard to find anything and everything is just the price is just skyrocketed yeah so i haven't been able to i haven't just I haven't expanded the tokays yet but um i have that one and i do want to work with them because 
they're one of my favorite geckos in the whole world. Um, they're like even their wild colors, man, are absolutely insane in my opinion. They're cool. They're big. They're not the nicest, like friendliest, but I oh, like I them a lot. Shit. And that's yeah, it's and it's something I've I've wanted to work with for like two three years now. And See, they got I'm, all the cool stuff over in Asia. I know. Like they're doing all the crazy morph stuff. Well, they used to they used to have it here, man. And like I remember back in say 2004, 2005 when like Nerd used to go to Daytona, dude, they would have an entire table of just toke morphs. Like everything, you know, leucistic and the powder blues, which is hands down my favorite. Like yeah. I'm not a I'm not an arboreal gecko guy at all, but I to this day I still want that patternless powder blue toke. Like that's Same. just an amazing animal, you know. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There used to be a lady at uh, Tinley. She she used to always go to Tinley Park. She had she was a, just an entire table of toke geckos. She had all those pieds. She had which is my favorite is the super reds. I don't know if you've ever seen. It's just a solid no. red. So just like how it's blue, it's a yeah. solid red toke. Red's really? my favorite color. And I was like, what? Like I was like, I gotta get one. Back then they were. A couple grand now they're probably even more toke geckos oh, those are now. cool morris have skyrocketed that's why you don't see them they're here people have them people breed them it's just that literally as soon as somebody listed for sale they could put almost whatever price they want and it sells mm -hmm. like i've seen some some stuff that used to not go for that much now the patternless blues now i think are like around a thousand dollars now yeah yeah they used to yeah. not be they used to be like 500 bucks i think yeah nobody wanted them because they're mean <laughs> yeah you know? so uh are you still have a gurnia oh yeah oh yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna, i'm gonna expand i have the just the gidgies so um i have i think a group of six and then i have a pair because that pair just outgrew everything else. They're getting so big, so I just separated them, and they happen to be a pair. Separated them. The rest of the group is together. They're not giving me any problems. Hopefully next year they should be ready to breed. And the cool thing, if people you know people who don't know about a gurney out there, communal. So they're one of those few reptiles that are communal. You can literally keep them in groups forever, and um, you can literally babies will be born there. They're live bearers, and you can raise them together. Usually, sometimes if they're males, like the the dominant male might kind of kick them out or something. But other than that, like you can keep them together, and they eat everything, 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 everything from veggies to dog food to the rapashi products, like whatever you put in there, man. They they destroy. Yeah, man. Are you planning on getting more species or no? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just you know they're they're very pricey. And, you know, as I mentioned before, we do have to kind of keep it a little business smart. Um, you know, right, I, I right. would love to get like Siglitos, Episolas, but you're talking about like $3,000 each animal and you're not going to get one. You need to get like three or four. Yeah, you know? exactly. So those episodes get more are, now. Yeah. yeah. Those episodes are awesome, man. I remember somebody, yeah. I don't know if it was MOC or whoever, they had a, yeah. a handful of them a few years was, back and like those pictures keep floating around. It's like, yeah, dude, anything yeah, that, that was, comes um, up. That was, sorry. That was my buddy, Francesco at MLC reptiles. He used to breed them. He used to breed them. He's, he, he, if you guys don't know about him, he has like just the rarest of the rarest stuff. Always. That's what he likes. Just rare animals, um, especially Australian stuff. He likes a lot. Um, and he, the thing that sucks about them though, they, they only, they only make like one baby 
a year if you're lucky. You know, they'll a lot of times they skip a year, so they don't produce the best. They're in gorgeous animals. I even got to see those animals in person. We actually even made a video oh, um, yeah? with those animals. Yeah, yeah, we um we made a video with the um I think it was the Siglitos, the maybe an Episolis, and also an armadillo lizard he had at the time. Yeah, yeah, because he's got cataphractus, right? He had them. Yeah, yeah. All, a lot. He keeps a lot of stuff for a while and then sells it. So he doesn't have, as far as I'm aware, he doesn't have the any of those Igernias, though, at least the rare ones, the Siglitos, Episolis, and the Cataphractus. He doesn't have any of that stuff now. But yeah. we were lucky enough to make a video with them and, you know, hold them. I've never held an Armadillo Lizard before or a Igernia Episolis. I've never held that before in my life. And it was, it, it was a great experience, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you ready to talk Taliqua? Of course, I was built for this. Tequila, tequila, I'm doing shots. So let's talk about blue tongues. Casey Cannon is probably like, yeah, summoning me. Yeah, so, someone, <laughs> someone said blue tongue. Sense of disturbance in the force. He's a cool dude. I think I'm, I actually, I met him in uh, Daytona. He's a yeah, real man. cool dude. I see him on the forums. <laughs> you may have found him in the in the ocean looking for his flip flop. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Intoxicated. <laughs> So uh, it's actually funny. Uh, so Casey is going to be in town relatively soon. So uh, I was meaning to get with you and uh, definitely got to bring him by and let him touch some blue tongues, so to speak. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's yeah. more than welcome. The, uh, so so yeah. So what do you got and what are you doing? So I'm kind of obsessed with blue tongues, as you know, <laughs> Phil. Yeah, I, I have a lot. Mainly, I work with uh, northern blue tongue skinks. Those are the Tilikwa skinkoides intermedia. Um, I also work with some Marukis. Um, I also work with some Easterns. But mainly, I stick with the northerns. Why? I, they're, personally, they're my favorite. They get big. They're like, a, they can get about like 24 inches long. Um, they're big. They're, they come in a bunch of different colors. I work with bunch of different yellow lines uh reds whites uh, black stuff um almost um, like if it's available in the united states i i might have it you know so i have a lot a lot of northerns and it works perfectly being in south florida they don't when you do need to brumate them to breed and when you do it's only got to be like room temperature really and that's easy enough to do in south florida mm -hmm. so i've had great success breeding them down here and um they're like like i said they're one of my favorite animals um one reason i really got it well they're very simple so they do get big but they don't need it like i feed them mainly wet dog food that's so easy <laughs> that's so easy to work with in comparison to all these insectivores and you gotta gut load the crickets yeah. and you know crickets stink when they die mm -hmm. they they're yep. terrible you got to do a variety of insects because it's not always the best just doing one you know just crickets no you gotta you gotta do crickets and worms and you know just mixing you know just a variety but with those guys i straight up just feed them wet dog food and i mix veggies in there i can make some eggs they'll they'll honestly eat anything i put in there um so they're super easy super basic they don't even really need uvb now if you're keeping one or two or three i recommend you use uvb but it's been shown not just with people in the United States, but breeders in Australia who've been breeding a lot longer than we have, that 
blue tongues can live many generations without UVB, reproduce, and do fine. Um, yeah, so it makes it a lot easier. You can have like, and especially for like you, you know, snake breeders. Snake breeders really like the blue tongues because you can almost house them in the same exact rack as a adult ball python. I don't, I forget which size um, is recommended for adult ball pythons, but we use CB seventies. Yeah, adult I was gonna say it's probably a seventy. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's very easy to work with. You could have a lot. Uh, I probably have close to 100 blue tongues. Good God. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's all, most that's of awesome. those, Yeah, most of those being northerns. Um, and so, yeah, I have a lot of stuff, man. Um, I really like them. They're, they're not the easiest to breed. So they're very seasonal. They're only going to breed once a year. So right 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 away when they wake up from brumation, they're gonna want to start breeding, um, and they have short seasons. That's the thing that sucks with them is I've had some animals literally want to breed for like a week, and then just shut off and don't doesn't want to do anything. Hmm. If it's a male, they won't even try to breed the female. If it's a female, she'll just try to kill the male because she doesn't want to breed. And a That's lot crazy. of times you. Yeah, and you miss you miss a lot of animals some years breeding. I've had animals I haven't bred in two, three years because I keep missing it. Either they sink really early or, or later, you know. Um, so it's 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 a tough animal to – it's not that hard to breed. It's hard to produce in high amounts. It's not an animal you're going to mass produce even if you have 100 females because – even pe- I know plenty of people who have a hundred and they don't produce nearly as many as they should. These guys are having like 10 babies, 11, 12, even up to like 17, 18 babies, a litter and they're wow. live bears. So you'll just open the tub and like, Oh, hey, babies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice. It makes it a lot easier. I don't have to incubate eggs. I actually found my first um, litter of blue tongues born two days ago. Oh, wow. It was uh, surprisingly nice. early. Thank you. Yeah, I saw, early, the, yeah. saw the video on you on uh, Instagram. It's awesome. Yeah, so I, I was surprised because usually I don't get anything till May. So she just gave birth very early. The babies are doing good. There's only three as a small litter, but you know, I'm I'm excited, man. And I'm um I'm, I'm working on a lot of very cool things, man. I think blue tongues are still very, at least in the states, still very raw. Still a lot of stuff you can do with them. Um, so I'm working on some pattern stuff. I'm working on some color stuff. I'm working on even size. See if I can make, you know, have a healthy animal, but see if you can make them maybe a little bit smaller, you know? So I'm, yeah. I'm working with a lot of that stuff because 24 inch, a two foot animal is still sometimes a little big for some people. If you could get them like an Eastern size, like an Eastern blue tongue skink is in my opinion for, if you want a blue tongue or a lizard like that, the best pet. Why? Because it's, same thing as northern. The only thing is they're really is that they're smaller, and that makes it a lot easier for pet for pet owners. The only thing is they're super rare in the United States, and if you find them as a baby, they're going to be very expensive. They're going to be eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand dollars. People who want a pet can't afford that, or yeah, yeah. not or are not going to be yeah, willing no. to pay for that. Right, right. You know, like especially why if it's their first lizard. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. So, as we're going to be working with a lot of stuff and hopefully this year and the next coming years, man, we'll make a lot, a lot of crazy stuff. So I'm awesome. really excited. I wish I could show you guys. Like I, <laughs> I would rant. I'll, I'll talk about it all night. <laughs> like just so, showing you. 
now correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really hard to to sex them, right? Yeah, so that's one of their downfalls. Super hard to sex. Um, even as adults, uh, there's been plenty of times I've been wrong. I was like, oh, this has got to be a female. No, it's a male. So what we do is basically try to get an educated guess. As an animal's growing, I can I've I've noticed some things that lead me to believe this animal's male or this animal's female. One of the ways is uh, weight retention, which is my personal favorite and the most accurate from my experience. If you, let's say, stop feeding an animal that's like around six months old, maybe like, you know, instead of feeding it every other day, you, you go, you skip a couple days. You'll see the males lose weight very rapidly. They'll like look really skinny, really fast. While the females, a lot of times they look exactly the same. They look like they never missed a meal. So that's one of the ways I've... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It does because you know they need the weight for mm -hmm. bearing the babies. The males so, are gonna have the higher metabolism anyways because they're gonna be yeah, the ones that are out cruising. Exactly. So that's one of the that's one of the things I kind of look for um, when I'm when I'm you know raising some animals that I'm gonna keep that I'm gonna be like okay this is this might be a male this might be a female. Also sperm plugs. You know if you find them obviously you have a male. I'm telling you I have almost a hundred blue tongues. I've only ever really seen sperm plugs once or twice. Like I actually caught them. Wow. Because, was that an yeah. older animal or a younger animal? And that was in a younger animal. Yeah. That was in an animal that was born last season. So he's not even a year old and he's just dropping sperm plugs mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, and then um, another thing, this is kind of weird, but if you pay attention to when they poop, a lot of times hemipenes will pop out. I was just going to so, ask you, uh, there's an old... Because like like Gila monsters are very very similar, uh, sh shy of getting very large older adult animals and looking at head shape and head size and having multiple animals to compare. Um, the only other way to really do it is with ultrasound, and like I ultrasounded my Gila's, and it's crazy because you're only doing one lizard at a time, right? And you can say, okay, there's there's you know you know ovarian follicles, and we know what we're looking at. But when you put them together to breed and you look at the male and the female, you're like, oh, look at that head. The heads are totally different. Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah. But one of the things we always did in the past was we'd soak the Gila in the – because – all right. So I typically don't give Gila monsters big water bowls because they'll just sit in it all day. It'll actually you know, change the thermodynamics of their body and you know, temperature change and all that. So I give them a very, very small water dish. Um, but we would throw the Gila monster in the bathtub with like two or three inches of water. And if it was a male – he would he would you know uh, uh, extend his manhood so to speak, and that was a good way of checking it. But it wasn't it wasn't fail safe. Have you ever done anything like that with the with the uh, blue tongues? So same thing where it's not a, it it doesn't always the hemipenes don't always come out when they poop. I've done that and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I have proven males that you know I've tried that with, and sometimes it just doesn't come out. I don't know what gets them to you know shoot out their hemipenes when they poop or pee, but. They don't always do it, so it's not always 100%. Obviously, if you do see the hemipenes, it's a male. Um, also, like you were saying about head structure, and so there is something to that. The only thing is, it's not the most accurate. So, I do like generally the males have a bigger, more triangular head. Also, their tails are longer in comparison to their body, while the females usually have a longer body and a shorter tail. You know, it makes sense because they're going to, you know, be bearing the babies and um they're gonna you know the bigger the body the more room it has um yeah, but yeah. i have some females that it's funny like i'll just bring out and i'll just show to david's like what do you think this is He's like that's got to be a male He's like nah this is a proven female 
Like, so it's not the most accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, what's worked the best, is, like I said, that weight retention, it's kind of just what I know and behavior. Like usually it's not always not hundred percent, but usually the males are always super active. They're always scratching in the front of the tub, always trying to get out, always trying to move around while the females are a little bit, you know, more laid back. It makes sense, man. You know, guys got to go looking for girls, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the ways I know the animals are in season. The males are in season. They want to breed after they come up from brumation. You're going to see the males all day in the front of the tub, just scratching, just trying to get out, trying like nonstop. And uh, that's one of the ways I kind of figure out, okay, so these males want to breed. They're ready. Let me start trying to pair them up. And I'll do like, even if I'm not like the, the only really way to guarantee, you know, the sex of the animal is trying to breed them, in my opinion, besides obviously seeing hemipenes or sperm plugs is breeding the animal. So I'll take these animals like this is a probable male. This is a probable female. Even if I don't want to breed these two together, I'll put this probable female with the proven male and see how he reacts just to kind of get an idea of the sex. So usually if the males get super defensive right away, super aggressive with each other, usually you have two males. Um, if it's a male and a female, especially if it's a proven male, he's kind of not going to know what to do. He's going to start putting his head up on her hips, up on her body and kind of like shoving her a little bit. And then eventually start trying to bite the shoulders or the belly and then, or the, her sides and try to get control of her and maneuver her. The females usually throw their tail up in the air and wiggle it. Um, so you, I'll, I'll look for signs like that. Um, though, you know, I've, have had, um, you know, even two females be very aggressive towards each other. So just because two animals are super nasty with each other doesn't always mean it's two males. It could also be just a, just two mean females. I have some females in there, man, that I swear they try to kill my males every time I try to breed them. They're just, they'll just kill everything. But they're the nicest animals to people. But my God, when there's another skink around, they're so, they can be so nasty. Have you noticed any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Have you noticed any sexual behavior between the different species in terms of like, not, not hybrids. I mean, like do Northerns lift their tail all the time and Easterns don't, or is there anything for like that? breeding purposes? Or yeah. For yeah. Like, like, is there um, more breeding, breeding uh, observations or unique breeding observations in one species opposed to another? They're, I mean, at least the ones I've worked with, they're pretty much the same. Um, Easterns and Northerns, though, they're the same species. They're just different subspecies. So they're identical as, as far as I know from breeding behavior. Um, but again, I haven't worked too much with like a lot of the other species, like the Centralians, the Westerns. That stuff is just really rare, you know, and unfortunately we don't have, we don't always have an opportunity to be able to work with stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But so I only have a very limited pool of Northerns easterns and then a couple indonesians and those guys behave the same when it's breeding um so i, I wouldn't know about that even in temperament there's no difference in with male and female um some pe i've had people ask me in the past hey i want a pet which one's calmer male or female it varies per individual i have some right. nasty females have some nasty males and uh, vice versa i have some very docile males and very docile females um so Getting bit by one of those things would suck. <laughs> yeah, it does. I've been, I've been bit. Like I, thankfully, I've never been bit where they like latched on because they'll latch on. And they can like gator roll, which mm -hmm. I would suck. But I get bit every now and then. Like today, I got bit actually trying to. Um, I was cleaning water bowls 
And um, I didn't think she was going to come for me because usually she's just she just hangs out. But I guess she saw the movement, thought it was something, and she bit me, but let go right away. But they do have some power. <laughs> I remember uh, my little cousin once when I used to have these animals in you know my room. Um, I was like, because they, they're very aggressive breeders. They're very nasty breeders. I literally, when I breed them, I have to sit there and watch them because they can hurt off arms. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very brutal. Um they cut each other up. They bite each they can bite each other in the face and the limbs. They can rip off limbs, tails. They could kill each other. Like it's very nasty. So I literally have to sit there and watch the pair try to breed. Um I have like a little rubber stick to where, you know, to guide the heads if cuz I don't want them biting limbs cuz you know, you could they could rip it off. I've seen yeah. some of my friends breed their animals and then you know, they, one of their skinks loses an arm. So I'm always there maneuvering, not necessarily making them bite it, more maneuvering. Just so if they do kind of fight, at least it won't be somewhere where the animal's going to get really hurt. Because they can take a beating. Um, these guys can't. And it's funny, I actually have some animals that, <laughs> some males that don't, aren't really interested in breeding until they get bit in the face. Like it's really? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I have one in particular that... Uh, that he was like this season he wasn't he wasn't breeding he wasn't breeding and then i put him with the the a mean female she bit him in the face and then he turned on really fast and he bred for like the next two three weeks no problem wow <laughs> um so then i have to like so since they're so aggressive especially towards the females i have to clean up their wounds because they're also can get infected um i either use i used to use hydrogen peroxide but now i use um betadine Betadine works pretty well. Diluted betadine um, for not, you know, to clean it up to make sure it doesn't cause any infections. And I grabbed the female and I told my cousin, "It's like, hey, can you grab the male and put him back in his breeding bin?" As soon as he went in, the male turned it around and bit him in the hand, and I just, I just hear him screaming from behind. It was, <laughs> it was really funny for me. <laughs> for, for you, right? For you. For me, yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. Can't pack a punch. It's just like snakes. Like they're the most snake-like lizard. Yeah, yeah they really like are. Everything. Like, yeah, they 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 really are, and I think that's why, especially a lot of ball ball python people, really took to them and transitioned to them. You know, same setup as almost the same setup as a ball python. You know, you don't very you don't have to feed it bugs. You just feed them the dog food. That's what I literally do from babies to adults. It's all these dog food mixed with some veggies, mix maybe some rapashi products here and there. I'll mix some stuff up, but the base being the wet dog food and and same thing as a as like a ball python. I only feed them once a week. The adults they can get overweight really fast. Yeah, so they seem like a species that would pack on some some weight real. Yeah, quick. yeah, really. Even mine, man. I have some. I only feed them once a week, and some are too thick. So, and you know how it is with animals that are too that are too big. They don't either. They don't reproduce well, mm-hmm. or it's very hard for the males to breed them because they, you know, like a, they got to be very strong. The males to be able to breed these females. If you got like a thousand gram blue tongue, good luck. Good luck having a male that yeah. can breed her. You know. Yeah, that's crazy, man. It reminds me. Uh, uh, I we had a, a guy back in the day when I used to work underground. And he had blue tongues and he used to only feed them crickets because he hated dog food. He's like, I don't have a dog, but I always go to underground. I just buy crickets. But he would always complain because their poo smelled so bad from those crickets. 
I can imagine. Insectivores poop. And animals that eat insects are poop is horrific. And I can imagine something as big as a as of a blue tongue pooping like uh that just ate crickets. That's yeah. There is another gross thing is when pe people feed them a lot of cat food. That smells very bad when they poop. Really? Yeah, you can smell it. It smells like it smells like cat poop. Oh, you know, if you ever, if you ever, yeah, it's it's a, it's horrific, and that smell just lingers and ugh. Now, do you ever use any kind of vitamins or supplements or anything with the dog food or no? Yeah, so every since I don't feed them that often, I give them supplements with every feeding. I supplement with specifically, I like to use Rapashi Calcium Plus. Um, yeah, it's so calcium and multivitamins, and Rapashi even made those to be used at every feeding. So we use that mainly. Sometimes I'll do some of the high D, um, sometimes, but mainly I'm going to do the the Rapashi Calcium Plus. Um, sometimes I'll add probiotics too, because we get probiotics from vets. Um, it's like in a powder, and you just mix it in there. Um, I'm generally sometimes just mixing whatever I feel like mixing in in the moment. Um, but mainly, yes, I do supplement with every feeding the Rapashi Calcium Plus. And that, that's the one that's got a, a red lid and it has like an albino leopard gecko on the front? Is it an albino? I know it's yeah, a it's leopard like gecko. A yeah. Yeah, the carrot yeah. tail. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, that one. And then yeah, I, it's, it's nice because I don't have to, it has all of it in there. After we're talking with Alan Rapashi, you know, it's not just calcium, it's calcium and multivitamins. And sometimes I'll even add super pig. So not super pig supposedly help is gonna help the animals color be nicer, but I don't even do it for that. I do it because of the trace um, nutrients that it has, like the carotenoids, the stuff that you wouldn't get, and some other uh, you know multivitamins or even Rapashi Calcium Plus. So I'll use that sometimes too. Yeah, is there a, a specific dog food that you prefer, like you like old mother old mother Hubbard over Imes or what? <laughs> so you can honestly. Honestly, you could use any. Um, uh, the better the dog food brand, the you know the better off you are. The one thing you really got to worry about is recalls, because you know when there's certain metals and stuff like that in the dog foods, that's when you can lose animals. And I've known in the past yeah. few years, plenty of large breeders lose a lot of animals because the dog food they were using had recalls. Um, I like to use Nature's Logic. That's been my favorite one. Um, I think that's one of the few, if not the only, company that's never had a recall. As far as um, I'm aware, the only thing is it's hard to find. I have to, I mean, I order off mine off of Chewy.com, um, but like I've never seen them in store. And it's not cheap. It's an expensive uh, dog food brand, even off of Chewy. It's like $3 a can when you compare that to like pedigree or yeah, something 69 else. 69 cents, fancy yeah. feast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's expensive, but you know, for me, it's worth it. Um, I like to use the wet dog food too. Over, I know a lot of people feed dry. You could do that. I just like the wet because it helps with hydration too. Sure, sure. Um, so Very cool. I, I use that brand. I'll rotate with between turkey and like chicken. I think are the two flavors I use. So, do you notice I, that some of them have a preference over one or the other? So not with mine. Like I, I, they always eat everything, but I've have like either for like, you know, I've done breeding loans with a lot of friends of mine who have blue tongues and they're like, Oh, my animal only eats this and that and this and that. But when I get them, they eat everything. They eat anything <laughs> I put in. Like, yeah. I never have an issue with them not eating the food. I don't know what people try to feed their animal. Maybe they're not hot enough. Maybe I don't know what it is they're trying to feed. Like but I, ne I can literally put in there whatever I want <laughs> and they'll eat it. 
I have um, actually a friend of mine um, wanted me to try to breed his melanistic blue tongue. And um, he, so he was telling me, yeah, he's a picky eater. He does. I put in whatever I want. And he just tears it up. That's awesome. And um, I, I had the same thing with an albino blue tongue. Uh, another friend of mine, um, you know, he didn't have any luck with. So he's like, here, you should have, you have luck. But this guy only eats eggs. And he's like skinny and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, just just give him to me, man. Like, uh, now he's the thick albino, like eats eats whatever I put in there. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I'm not. I've never had the issue with a picky blue tongue. All of mine are probably close to being overweight. <laughs> <laughs> so, any luck with that melanistic or no? I just got him, so my, the season has already ended. So I didn't. So I didn't okay. have anything for him. Yeah. Um, hopefully next season, you know. The thing that sucks is with albino males, melanistic males, and the blue tongues is like I was saying before, they got to be very aggressive animals to for males to breed. Those guys are not albinos, as you know, don't have the best vision. For some reason, in blue tongues, they really don't have a good eyesight, especially <laughs> as they get older. <laughs> like, uh, and this animal, this albino I have here, is probably around ten plus years old. Wow! So many people have tried to breed him in the past. He's been around. Many people have tried to breed them. Nobody's ever had luck. I got pretty close a couple times. The thing is, is they got to bite the shoulder and drag the female into a circle until you can get up behind there, yeah. scratch your tail, and then breed. It's very hard to do that with an, an animal that can't see. <laughs> like you just, so he just tries to breed. He just bites and doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> so he's, so it's hard, even with me trying just to help like him, him, guide him. Yeah, exactly. Just like Phil. Thanks. So I haven't Thanks had any luck with that albino, unfortunately. But um, and, and if you pay attention, and the melanistics aren't good breeders either for males. They're very lazy. Um, hmm. I don't know why. They're just lazy, and you can't be lazy if you want to breed if you're a blue tongue. You can't. you got to be very aggressive. Even with the most docile female, you've got to be very aggressive. And um, if you notice, something I noticed, people – like they're, I think they have that ball python snake mentality where it's like get them, which I mean works for basically everything else. Get a male visual and breed that to every female, right? That doesn't work that this way with albinos and, and melanistic blue tongues. It doesn't work like that. In Australia, where you know they're prolific at breeding these guys, they do. What I always notice in photos is that it's always always a het male to a visual female. So it's the opposite of it. Okay. And that's how they yep, and that's how they do better with it. And they'll they'll, they'll do double heads to each other if they're doing, you know, multi-gene animals. They're not doing visual to visual. Though they do breed sometimes. The males, they're just it's not something you want to bank on, you know. Yeah. Especially like stuff for males that with each year of life their vision gets worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, you know, like the Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, so like the prime from what I've always heard from these Australians is um, prime for breeding for melanistics and albinos. It's like three to five years old when they're young. And these animals, like the albino I told you I'm dealing with is over 10, maybe mm -hmm. 15 years old. And then the melanistic, I think, is also around like five, six years old, if I'm not mistaken. But I know less about that one, like the history of that one. Um, so it's it's tough, but hopefully I can get it done with the melanistic. I got really close with uh, another buddy of mine, albino, because his was young. Got really, really, really close. Um, I think if I would have got him earlier in the year, it would have been better because you want them 
I'm sure like it is with any other reptile, you don't want to just get them and then try to breed them. They're probably going to be thrown off by the change in environment. Yeah. They're not going to breed the best. So I got him pretty close to breeding season. If I would have had him maybe a full year or even like for six, eight months, I think I would have been able to get it done. But so close, man. Well, there's, there's always <sighs> next year, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Now, not to get graphic, but has anyone in Blue Tongues ever tried like a breeding stall like they do with cattle? Where like the female can't really go anywhere except for forward and backwards and the male, again, has to go forwards. Has anyone tried to do that to kind of like put them in close proximity, kind of let them piss each other off? There's no room for them to walk around? Not that I've heard of. The only problem I see with that is it's not so much of a forward and backward movement these guys need to have. They need to have a circular motion. Um, okay, okay. And they, it's because, you know, they, he bites and he twists and he drags and twists in a circular, circular motion, almost like a dance. And then that's when he's actually able to get his body to be able to get behind her and breed her. Um, so that's the one problem I see with that. They do got to be able to move side to side. Because if you just – even if you literally – the male bites her and you just put her – put him on top of the female he's not going to really be able to breed her just just from being behind her she's got to be like bent almost um and sometimes like it's weird like i have like one or two females that literally just sit there and those are one of the harder ones to breed the ones that don't really move because the male's like hey what the hell's going on like i'm biting you can you like help me i gotta drag you this way please help me yeah and they're just not moving and those are actually like the ones that are harder to breed it's weird. Yeah, it's crazy. I had a question. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, so with the window being so small with those as far as pairing, how do you know when females are ready? Um, they have usually, a certain signs that, that kind of tell you that they're good to go? Not really. So what I do is once I see the males are ready, usually they all kind of sync up at the same time because they're brumating in the same okay. space. So they usually sync up for the most part around the same time within, you know, that month. And um, just to give an idea, my breeding started this year around Christmas and it ended around early February. Everything was done by then. They're winter Um, breeders. Yeah. Some breed breed, um, early in that time, some breed later. So what I do is once I see the males ready, I start chucking him with females every day until I start seeing breeding. And you'll know the female's not ready. She'll she'll just not let him be. She'll turn her shoulder away so he can't get a good grip on her. Mm-hmm. She'll be super aggressive. She'll run away and just shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like it's weird it, when they're it's they just crap everywhere and um, like explosively like it's 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 horrific. It's horrible. Yeah, it's horrific. Cleaning that up is the worst. <laughs> but um, so they'll do stuff like that. They'll basically not let them breathe. And they make it very known that they're not. Yes, they're exactly. Not <clears throat> exactly. So that's the kind of signs I look out for. So if I see that, I'll just keep trying the female maybe once a week. Just see until, as soon as I, as soon yeah. as she's calm, boom, boom. So there's, and there's a lot of them that will run away, but they, but they'll still like let the males breathe. It's different mm-hmm. when they run away and they just explosively shit everywhere. Yeah. That's like, nah, leave me alone. Or they're, yeah, but, or they want to kill the male. Yeah. Well, that's what I've done with some snakes is you just got to put them together. You mm-hmm. know, after brumation, like I, you know, my rat snakes and stuff this year, like I didn't get sheds after, you know, being out of cooling for, you know, 
the normal month or so. So I just started putting them together and, you know, I got clutches dropping and stuff now. So, right. It's the same. Put just, them in there and make them happen. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's how I do it. And I'll know that way also if, if a male is ready to breed or not, if he's going to try to breed her, how does he react? Yeah. Is he just sitting there closing his eyes? You know, what is he doing? So that's how I figure it out. And I literally do this every day with multiple animals just so I don't miss who's ready. So sometimes I'll put a male with a female and the male's not ready, but the female's not fighting back and she looks receptive and she's wagging her tail. Okay, I'll just grab a different male. So I have a list of what I want to do. I want to bring this one to this one to this one to this one to this one. And then just so I have an idea of what I want to do. But with blue tongues, you kind of got to just do what's what's going at the moment. You got to you gotta pair up what's breeding. So I'll try, you know, oh, I want to pair up this red male to this orange female. Oh, the male wants to breed, but the female doesn't bring another female, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's just how I've been doing it. And I've had a lot of success that way. Very and I let cool. the animals, like, tell me. Like, I don't – I know a lot of people, like, oh, it, it's November. I got to brewmate them. And it's January 1st. I got to wake them up. Like, I don't do that. I, I listen to my animals. If I see them already slowing down, I'm like, okay, it's time for brewmating. It might not be cold, but they're telling me they're yeah, slowing down. Yeah, you can tell they're, it's that time. Exactly. And same thing when they wake up. Like sometimes, you know, it's still kind of cold out and they're waking up. And I just hear, all I hear is just them scratching in the front of the cage, scratching. It's like, okay, so it might be time. Let me try to start pairing them up. So I listen to my animals. I listen to what they're telling me. And then I just um, go from there. Now, have you, obviously your stuff is indoors for the most part, especially with the blue tongues. Have you noticed that like this year we had a lot of, especially in South Florida, we had a lot of ups and downs where it was, mm -hmm. you know, in the forties for like two or three days and then wham, it's back up in the eighties. Have you noticed any spikes or falls like that affect them or do they just know, okay, it's still that time of year with production or with breeding or both? I mean, with just everything. Okay, so with breeding, I haven't noticed a difference. With breeding, I have like I still got most of my animals to breed, which is always a success with blue tongues. You're always, unless you have a smaller collection. If you have a large collection, you're not gonna every single year get every single animal to breed. It's just not. It's just not how they work. Um, but with with production, I don't. I haven't noticed anything yet because I think this was the first year where it was like that in a long time at least since I've been breeding blue tongues and we'll just have to wait and see, you know, if I produce a lot last year, I produced a, a lot of blue tongues. So hopefully this year I'll produce a lot more. Um, they, a lot of them look very gravid. So they look, it's really good signs. Um, hopefully I'll have a lot of babies, but um, I haven't, I know that's definitely affected like outdoor animals, like my, like our tegus, our tegus, you know, usually breed around February, maybe March, usually like around March. It's April and they're still not really even in the mood. Yeah. Things so, are weird, especially. I mean, up here yeah. too. You know, I pulled snakes out of cooling and it was February because I had COVID and I was stuck at home. I pulled them out and it was like, well, crap, I'm putting them back in the room with everything. But like the temperatures are still so wacky that even when everything's turned off at night and I turn it on in the morning, it's still pretty chilly in there. And it's like, are they actually right. going to wake up when I pull them out or are they just going to continue to kind of be in that, that cooling phase? Right. I think one of the advantages I have where we are right now is that they're in the what used to be a garage that got turned into a room, basically. And that room 
is always pretty warm, even when it's cold mm-hmm. out with all the heat tape, heat cable. That's where we keep all the hot animals, the bearded dragons, the Euromastics, the savannas, whatever we have and we're selling that's hot, it's going to be in that room. So that room is always a certain temperature. Um, so even when it got cold, it didn't seem to affect them too much. Yeah, they would slow down, you know, and then let's say we had a cold front. They wouldn't breed for like three days, four days. They're breeding fine, and then they'll take like three, four days off. They would continue right away after, after a couple days after that cold drop. So maybe it has something to do with that room always being warm. Yeah, that room's like a constant, like always going to be at least 82 degrees, 83, 84 degrees. So maybe that had that helped me out. I'm not sure. Um, and like I said, I got to wait to see how production is this year if that kind of did affect, um, mm-hmm. you know, everything that, like, you notice, yeah, it's been weird. Do you notice any difference with males and like barometric pressure? Like when some other storms come rolling through, do you notice males start cruising a little more? Kind of like what? Not like- with males. I've noticed that sometimes that those barometric chamber uh, changes can um, cause females to to drop earlier, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have noticed that. Like sometimes, you know, some like when it's like a rainstorm or something, man. That's usually when the most of them are born. <laughs> so. Do you think that's just like, let me get it out before the storm hits? Or do you think it's more like the weather, it's going to be water for them to drink and hydrate? Wash the placenta away. (laughs) I'm not sure what it is, but it's weird because whenever those storms roll around, that's when stuff hatches. Stuff hatches, stuff is born. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but we've noticed that with the geckos who are, you know, maybe a week away from hatching, maybe two, they'll hatch a little earlier or these animals were born a little early. Um, not sure. It's weird. I, it's just something I've noticed. I don't know why that is. Um, yeah, maybe some, of, some yeah. of the best Viper pairings I've ever had were before the hurricane. Yep. It's like, Oh, I got to move stuff <laughs> that's, around. That's the time to put it yeah. together. Yeah. It's time yeah. to put it together. And then, you know, I've been doing some homework on my own on, you know, using increased rainfall to kind of like, I don't want to say monsoon season, but like try and instigate a, a pseudo monsoon, yeah. simulate a monsoon season. And just to kind of see if that makes them drop earlier, like with some of the library vipers and stuff. And, and I, I mean, I haven't really got any results yet, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. But they do come from rainforests, right? Those yeah. Ju- ju- so ju- that jungly might... stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the so Australasian. Might... Yeah. So something maybe like, that's you know not from a rainforest might not affect it as much um like the blue tongues are more like they're not deserty they're like scrublands mm-hmm. so i don't think and then and i'm not sure in the northern territory how bad how bad the rainy season gets over there um but definitely i've noticed like the um, abronias <laughs> the one time i caught them breeding it was like pouring out so um that's i awesome. have seen it affect some animal i have no idea why though yeah, I mean that was always every time a big storm was rolling through. That was when I was putting conjures together, man, because that yep. was that was the time. Because you like every time it, they were yep. locked up and it was raining, like that's that's weird, right? It's probably these rainforest animals are just they might be they might do that in the wild when it you know when it starts the monsoons start coming through. They're like, yeah, okay, it's yeah. time to breed. Well, I know it ties uh, into like a food availability thing. Yeah, it yeah. ties into like a food availability thing. Like, hey, it's raining. That means food's going to be moving. Yeah. Things are going to be yeah. happening. That means it's time to start breeding and start making babies because it's that time of year, you know. Yeah, yeah, very true. 
especially like little bugs and stuff or like mm-hmm. like little lizards all that stuff like especially when they eat that yeah probably i mean that'd be smart <laughs> so have you kept any blue tongues outside or not i haven't because of space so we have a lot of stuff outside we have the tegus outside and you know look just get rid of the, just get rid of the tegus and just do Listen, it man that's the best that's my favorite pet around i think is really tegus. yeah honestly even man o- like even over the blue tongues yeah because i like big lizards and they're like a blue tongue is great don't get me wrong but they're not as smart <laughs> as a tegu a tegu is very smart very observant kind of like a monitor I'm sure I'd love monitors as much, if not even more, if I had the space to keep monitors, you know, big monitors. Um, but they're like that. They're very smart. And I, I like that a lot. And they're, 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 they're great pets, man. We have ours that can literally hang out with our dogs. The dogs don't do anything. They don't do anything. Like they just kind of roam, wander. And I just like having such a smart reptile. Like the blue tongues aren't very smart. <laughs> <laughs> they're not they're not the brightest animals you know they'll like if you put a rock in their face sometimes that looks like a food they'll try to eat it <laughs> and then they might bite it a few times because they didn't get the message the first time yeah, so they're not yeah. the brightest animals they make great pets but the tegus meant to me i just love how smart they are um I, and honestly my i i used to say it was my favorite but to be honest that caiman lizard we have is incredible and it's oh, yeah? hard to match. The Cayman lizard's like an aquatic tegu. It's basically yeah. what it is. Um, so those two, they're never going anywhere, man. Jacksonville cool. Zoo has a really nice setup with some of those in it. They're they're big. Those uh, Cayman yeah. lizards. Yeah, I I man I I would love to check those out. I haven't. I've only actually been to Jacksonville once in my life for a reptile I'm not show. Not missing much. <laughs> it's a, hey, it's nice. <laughs> It's nice. There was a lot of new stuff being built, and it, I was like, "This is a really good up and coming area." You know, they had they have way more and nicer plazas than we do. Everything like at least the part where the, the area we were in, we were doing a reptile show. Um, I, I'm sure you've probably been to the the Jacksonville one they do, the Repticons. I haven't been to that one yet. Jacksonville's okay. only like a three hour drive from here. It's not that far. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I always oh. think it's crazy when like. You know, Justin and Casey talk about, oh, yeah, I just got to do a quick little three-hour drive. And Manny and I are so congested in South Florida. It's <laughs> like, dude, I just had to drive 20 minutes to go to McDonald's. I'm not going anywhere for three hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck but uh, only but, The only way I'm going is Daytona. I'll drive three hours for that. Hell, yeah, man. So now you and David were doing a lot of shows. Are you guys still doing – are you just sticking to Florida or no? So we haven't – I think we only done one show since COVID. It's not really because we don't want to do them. It's more that one, we don't really need to do them. Online has been so great and we're actually really low on a lot of animals though. I still want to do, we know we still want to do the shows. The only thing is Repticon, we're doing Daytona, but Repticon changed their way that they, that you pick your tables. So it used to be at the end of every show, they'd come around and be like, Hey, um these are the dates of these upcoming shows tell me which one you're interested in okay give me four tables here four tables here four tables here two tables here whatever you know okay so we'd have it all booked ahead of time now they have a certain day that they'll release tables and honestly unless you're like right on top of it as soon as it's released you're not gonna get a like 
you can find a table or two, but we need four tables. I'm, we're not going to do a show if it's just one table. What are we going to bring? Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. We usually do four tables, you know, just because we have so many animals, so many different variety of animals and stuff. So, um, and then you'll see like a table over here, a table over there, like, because, you know, people are on top of that because a lot of people make their livelihoods out of, or make a lot of, you know, make a lot of extra money doing these Repticons because they don't really do online. So they're right on top of it as soon as it drops. We're like, you know, running this stuff. We're answering emails, shipping animals, doing that. So we're not always right on top of it. And even when we are, like, for this Tampa show, we couldn't find tables. Like, we were on it right away, booked up super quick. So we haven't been doing the shows. Yeah, I think Daytona is going to be a a freaking blowout this year, man. Yeah, I I hope so, man. And the way animals have been selling, and I'm expecting a really good show. You know, last Daytona wasn't the best. It almost felt like a really big Repticon show. Which is, you know, unfortunate because Daytona, it's Daytona. Yeah. You know, we wait all year for that. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. And we get to see, you know, people we just never get to see. So that's why I love I love that it's show. It's still a blast. Um, you know, we always say, like, yeah. the, the show's just a bonus, really. Like, we just go to hang out with one another and, you know, the gang. and Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, so. our, it's our annual pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, that's, like I said, that's the place you see. The only time you get to see this person. Once yeah. a year, like right here, it's like, oh, this is awesome. People come from out of state. I see friends that, I, or people I've never would have met if it wasn't for that show. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a really good show. Hopefully, it's packed. Hopefully, it's like the old days. Yeah, man. So, is there any lizards that we haven't covered that you're working I'm with right now? Staring at the Strafer Ciliaris on your website right now. God, <laughs> <laughs> those are cool. Um, those are the first ones you've ever had. Um, they're, do, they're, they're really cool. They've been doing great. It's actually one that I've been talking to David. It's like, maybe we should actually work with these. You know, the thing is though, now we have so many animals that like, it's hard to get more. It's hard to get new animals. We yeah. can get more of the same stuff. It's very easy to take care of the same stuff you already right. take care of and producing. It's very easy. And it's harder to jump into new projects. So we got to be very selective and very smart of the new projects we're going to be working with. You know, we do have help now. We do have, you know, two people working for us. But even then, sometimes it's not enough. It's hard to put in the time on animals. And one of the reasons why we like, you know, well, one of the good things about crested geckos, most of these new Caledonian geckos, the blue tongues, is you can almost take care of them kind of on autopilot to a degree. Like, you don't have to literally be on top of them 24-7. They're tough animals. They're good animals. You know, as long as make sure everything's clean, fed, they usually – they do great, and they'll breed fine, you know. Um, But so that's why we got to be very selective. Like, I almost didn't jump on these ornate Euromastics just for that reason, you know, because just because there isn't enough time to be able to dedicate to these projects and some you got to be more on top of than others. And that's one of the reasons why we got rid of our Bronia. Because that's something you got to make a priority. Yeah. And we don't have the time to make that a priority because our priority is, you know, crested geckos, blue tongues, you know, stuff that we mainly sell that keeps everything running. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. So it's, it's time management too, you know, because like you can't, if you have X amount of time allocated for certain species, and all of a sudden you get something that not only do you like, but you think it'll sell well and produce well but it requires double the work, 
you know what I mean, to maintain and to focus on, you gotta you gotta you gotta prioritize that allocated time. Yeah, exactly. And that's um like I said, that's why we gotta be selective on the stuff we're gonna work with. Now it's easy to get animals and you know, sell them and stuff like that. We do do a lot of that, you know. There's it's unless you're mass producing, it's very hard to run a successful business with just selling animals you produce. You know, we work with a lot of breeders. We'll buy in bulk and from quality people, quality animals, and then, you know, we'll sell them. And that stuff is fine. We can get a lot of that stuff because those, those things are very easy just to take care of. But breeding is a whole other thing. Um, it's a whole other animal. So I would like to – I really want to work with those with those geckos, man. I think they're super cool. Um, they're, not, they're not hard at all. They're very yeah. easy to take care of. I was um, surprised our buddy yeah. uh, at Mika Reptiles, he did an article in the 16th issue of the magazine on those and seeing his setups and stuff. I was, I was expecting them to be a little more delicate and, and sort of fragile than they really are. And he's like, dude, they're a breeze. Yeah. Yeah. We set them yeah. up pretty simple. Like, and uh, we have them like in his screen cage, but like, I think it's EXO or, or Zilla where it's like mm -hmm. a glass in the front, but the rest of it's screen. Mm -hmm. um, we have them set up in small cubes of that and with a lot of branches and some substrate and UV and that's it, man. Yeah, Super those simple. Those minimalistic like, setups look awesome too. And they do better, man. Honestly, most of the time animals do great. As long as their, you know, basic requirements, their basic needs are met, they do great. Like, you know, there's some people love, I mean, I love it too, the naturalistic setup, but you can't run a, it's hard to run a business and have that for every single animal we yeah, have. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, it's not gonna, not feasible. you know, exactly. So, um, like, for example, our crested gecko setups are very simple. Like, it's a tub with ventilation, some substrate like mulch, or we've done paper towel plenty of times in the past. Only reason we do mulch now is because the house we're in is, is like, uh, drier. So mm -hmm. they were when we first moved here, we we're seeing humidity issues, you know, shedding problems. So we switched to mulch just because it has more humidity. But and then we'll do just like a thick paper crumpled up with some branches because they they love to jam themselves and get in. Yeah. Doesn't look the best, but man, do they love that and does it mm -hmm. do wonders? So mine would curl up in that. I use egg crate and they would curl yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they loved it. Yeah, people who don't know they'll see that and be like, "How this is not what they're what they look like." How the environment is in the wild like how do you why do you do this and then they'll find the most little uncomfortable position in that little yeah. egg crate hole and they'll that's Hanging when they're, down. they're happy yeah Sleep, right yeah it's it's wild it's like i've seen people like they talk about snakes and stuff and you know they see pictures on instagram or facebook and stuff and they're like that snake needs more more room and it's like you ever seen a rat snake cram itself into a paper towel tube yeah <laughs> that thing's happy as like hell that thing could care less same with like ball pythons, man. It's yeah. just, they live like under rocks. Like <laughs> yeah. they'll find the smallest, tightest little crevice you offer them, and they'll be in there. And it's like mm -hmm. this doesn't make sense. You have you can set them up in a giant enclosure, and then they're in the smallest, tightest spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a there was a famous picture of some guy who had like a giant wall display for an adult normal ball python, and it wasn't it, it wasn't like necessarily exactly what you'd expect to see in West Africa, but it looked really cool, right? For a home display. And the thing would, it had internal light bulbs that hung from the ceiling and the thing would find the one light bulb in the corner that was closest to the corner of the wall 
like the the 90 degree angle and it would wedge itself behind the light bulb in the corner in the ceiling so you'd have like this entire beautiful enclosure with this little balled up ball python up in the top rafter corner i thought that was hilarious yeah, a lot of times I think we just do that for ourselves. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, to make us either feel better or you know just have something cool to look at. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, you guys are also dabbling some dry goods too, right? Yeah, you guys have expanded yeah. a lot. I mean, you guys are doing yeah. boas or uh, snakes and and other lizards and like you guys are. Really See, I was, I was trying to was trying to talk about the dry goods to segue well, into that the too. snakes. Yeah. Segue into I the just, snakes. Looking at the website, I was like, man, they like everything's different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's in my opinion, that's the key, you know, is variety. Like uh we learned that doing the shows because you you'll have a show where crusty geckos just fly out the table, and then you'll have shows that not one or you'll sell one or two crusty geckos, and then you'll see like sometimes chameleons are hot, sometimes this gecko is hot, sometimes this so the best way, you know, to make sure, you know, there's income always is variety. Um, and that's why I mean, we almost to, have to, to, to do it full yeah. time. It's, it's almost a necessity because you can't just have, you know, one or two or three things and expect that to sort of, you know, sustain things. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, let's say we only did 100% blue tongue skinks. Those guys breed once a year. Yeah. They'll give babies once a year and you'll have babies available for just a couple months in the year. What am I supposed to do for the rest of the year? How am I supposed to pay everything? How are we supposed to pay rent, mm-hmm. pay water, food, everything for the rest of the year? You know, it's that's why it's good to have variety. And not just that, what if something, you know, worst case scenario, something happens and you just crap out of luck, all the blue tongues just don't breed. Like, what am I supposed to do? Take the year for as a loss? Like, no. You know, so it's good to have, in my opinion, variety and you know, even in the dry goods. You know, we, we sell T-shirts now. We sell stickers. We sell, you know, products for the animals that we sell, like the Crusty Geckos. We sell the we're Apache products, Pangea. Um, you know, we just sell as much as we, you know, this space allows us to sell. Obviously, as we expand, we're going to have more things to offer. Um, so that's, that's, you know, for, I, I don't like to bag all my eggs in one basket. I like to have yeah, variety. Smart. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, also, I like everything. So it's also yeah. like I just like to have a little bit of everything. Yeah, um, yeah. We're doing snakes now. Um, that's something newer. We're um, not so much breeding snakes again because of space. We more work with like local breeders or you know people we know, people we trust. So we buy good quality animals. Um, we'll work with snakes now, turtles, and we're we're gonna start doing fish now. Um, I've, that's something I've always wanted to get back into since my, there's beta a lot of crossover so, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we haven't listed anything yet, but we already have fish tanks and fish in there set up, ready to be, you know, shipped and sold. And, um, you know, it's something like, it's something I've wanted to always get back to cause I love fish and the fish market is even bigger than reptiles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so much more stuff. Yeah, it's it's huge, and you know I'm gonna we're gonna start slow and small because it's not smart just to invest and dump everything into one yeah. thing that you've never sold, you right. know. So we're gonna start small, start slow, slow. Let people try to you know now know us for not just geckos and lizards and you know all that stuff, but also hopefully in fish too in the in the near future. Um, you know, most people know us as lizard people. That's why I kind of kind of wanted to expand to snakes too. And I mean, besides, we love snakes. I love 
red tail boas, ball pythons, like all that stuff. So want to expand into snakes and you know we're working with more species now at first it was just ball pythons and now oh colombian red tail boas or true red tail boas and we had now we're trying to get like milk snakes king snakes corn snakes you know a little bit of every hog nose um even you know had some t positive blood pythons so awesome. we're, starting to, we're starting to get a lot a lot of stuff man um so it's it's I love it because I get to work with all these guys. All these I've put some, that, uh, I've <laughs> I put wish some, I had at one point. I've put some serious thought into like a, a a similar magazine like what we're doing for HM, but aquaculture related. Yeah, I, I'm sure there'll be a much bigger market for yeah. that. <laughs> like I've been thinking about it. If you know, at some point, if I have more time, I may pull the trigger. And the only issue is, is like I'm not hip to a lot of that. Like I, I'm clueless when it comes to to fish stuff. So, like having people and knowing what information is correct. Because I mean, most reptile stuff, you know, I, I'm privy to. I can tell what's what's bull, bullshit and what's not. And you know, fish, it's I'm, I'm clueless. So right, but even at one point, you were clueless with the reptile stuff, right? It's just you learn with time and wanting to learn about that stuff. You're gonna learn. And also probably going to these aqua shows, you know, mm-hmm. um, meeting people, getting to know people. You're you're gonna pick up. You'll pick up stuff fast. It's it's. I'm pretty sure it's very similar to how, you know, the reptiles work. Um, what's pop? This thing is popular one year, and this now this is popular. It's new morph yeah. of this fish came out, so now this everybody wants this. Um, so I'm sure it works very very similar. So, uh, I mean, my advice would be go for it. You know, especially if you have you know some like you're saying you got to find some time but it's definitely worth it man yeah i'm trying to like transition it. to where i can i can be part-time at my full-time job now and have more time at home working on that stuff and podcast stuff and it's scary at first right oh i bet yeah yeah like i remember taking the plunge into full time and i was like this is terrifying cuz you know sometimes in the beginning it's not you're not seeing you know as much revenue as you'd want and you're like god this is you know it's scary but it's worth it man it's worth it i i love not having to answer to anybody Mm -hmm. you know i love doing what i want get do things when i want you know i love that i love that freedom so i would i would say do it um that's my that's me because that's what i did aiming for by the end of the year making it happen you know, I, I have a dual income household. We got a good chunk of our debt paid off, so we're in a, in a pretty good position soon to to make it happen. So we'll see. Yeah. I've talked about it to Billy, Phil, and Billy was like, "No, dude, don't." He's like, "You got too much, doing too much already." So what the the, the aquaculture magazine? Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, I kind of agree with him. <laughs> I can don't do it to them. You can yeah, you can happen. do it. So what it's work, I, but you know it's something you like, so it's not really yeah, work. Yeah. So so Manny, do, are you at liberty to say what fish you guys are gonna start doing? Uh just the basic stuff right now, fresh water, um, stuff that I've worked with and sold in the past when I used to breed fish. It's just super basic. Um, fancy guppies, you know, morph stuff, um, and some different betas, uh half moons, half moon plaquettes, stuff that I've worked with, stuff that I'm comfortable with. I just want to start, like I said, very slow um you know something i'm very comfortable with uh, i've sold in the past i've kept and bred before in the past so just that right now um obviously i'm gonna i'm i want to there's so many fish i want to expand to already 
but right, I just right. gotta hold myself back and just you know take it slow. Because like I said, yeah. it, we do have a lot of stuff here, so that's just another thing, not more work now. But I love this, so I don't mind it. You know, yeah. I'll stay here till eight, nine, ten p.m. Whatever I have to do every day, like I don't mind it. There's plenty of times we work seven days a week when we have shows and stuff. I don't. To me, it doesn't bother me because I love this stuff. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's a lot easier it. when you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it is crazy though. The, like you guys are expanding into the fish world, and we, uh, Justin, and I have several friends that are they're all snake and reptile and herper people, and like we have a private group chat that we're all in, and like I watch it just goes more fish by the yep. week, yep. and it's like <laughs> look at look at these betas, look at these garamis, oh look at these gobies, you know, and it's like wait, wait what is what is going on here? We're like we're herpers. What, what's happening? You know, why are there so many gobies and betas on this page? <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool because, like, I, I did a lot of fish back in the day. I used to be the fish guy at Pet Supermarket. You know, that's how my hands kept so <laughs> soft, you know. And uh, Katie's and, laughing at you. Oh, good, good. So uh, and as much as I, I want to break Justin's balls about doing, like, an Aquascape magazine, you know it would be fucking awesome. <laughs> it, would do, it would do well. It would do well. I know it will. If we so. did the same model as what we're doing with HM, yeah, it would slay. But I'll tell you right now, I'm if convinced. if this aquaculture magazine starts pulling in revenue and HM doesn't, I'd be very disappointed in you. <laughs> There's more people in aquaculture. We got to change that. It's growing. It is. Oh yeah, is growing it a is. lot, man. Every year is growing a lot. So I and. You know, with more people putting out content, YouTube, you know, influencers, all that, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Because I think before in the past, like, people were always afraid of reptiles. But then you see a person you follow who has, like, 6 million followers or whatever it is hanging out with a cool little exotic reptile. You're going to be like, oh, man, I want that. Yeah. You know? So it's I think not it's not murdering him. Yeah, exactly. And it looks cool. <laughs> you know, with reptiles – it's like you can literally, there's literally something for everybody, whatever you like, whether if you like things with legs, no legs, colors, just in ball pythons alone, how many colors can you, how many different colors can you have? You can have any, almost any color you I want. I don't even know how many morphs we're up to. Exactly. Point. Like, like my sister loves white snakes. So I got her a, a blue eyed leucistic, you know, ball python. So it's like, there's something for everybody from literally anybody you don't like bugs cool get a crested gecko or get a Euromastix. it's a vegetarian like you know there's something for that works for everybody so that's why i think this this industry and this hobby is just going to get keep getting bigger and bigger each year uh you know as long as they don't shut us down yeah 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 so, right so what so what snakes are do you have lined up for for anything producing this year or no 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 okay just not as uh being here like we don't have don't have room to for producing snakes and okay. like i said i have a, so a close relationship with a couple really good friends of mine and they produce a lot of ball pythons they produce boas they produce you know different stuff so i don't have to right now hognose cool. i have a, one of my closest friends you know is a big breeder in hognose so you know and they're cool they you know they'll whole they'll wholesale us stuff and you know they're quality animals so I don't have any problem buying them and it's, you know, supporting them. They help, helps them get rid of a large quantity of animals. Cause you know how it is, man, when it's baby season for an animal that only produces really one time a year, you can get overwhelmed really fast, especially yeah. if it's just you doing oh, yeah. everything. So, you know, 
it helps them we you know financially and with space and time and it helps us because now we get to offer cool animal cool high quality animals yeah. and we don't have to breed that you know we can stick to breeding the animals we are working with currently and i i think i admire what you and david do in terms of keeping track of lineage and where stuff comes from because there's so many uh breeders that are very that are similar to you guys in the sense of they have species that they focus on that they actually breed but then they also have friends or other breeders that they buy from and sell their animals which like you guys are doing but something gets lost and they they don't remember or they didn't keep records of it or they just don't care what the lineages of that animal who produced those animals was you and david you guys are always on the ball with that and it's like, yeah, I didn't produce this, but, you know, Bob did. And Bob's animal came from Tom, who used to breed it with Sally. And, like, that's awesome that you guys are proactive about that. Yeah, and I think that's because we do get them from people where they're, – they're my friends. So, you know, I can ask them, hey, where did this snake come from? Oh, it came from this pairing to this pairing. Okay, cool, and I can relay that to our customer, you know? It's different, though, when you are buying wholesale from, like, uh, importers or just larger-scale companies because they don't know that information. So they don't know, so they're not going to be able to give it to you. But when we're getting stuff locally, you know, or from – or not even locally, but just from people we know and trust, it's a lot easier to keep track of that information. So that's why we do like to get stuff from them, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah, it just builds more network and shares – Shares the wealth, shares the love. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we always, you know, people, like, we'll shout out our friends too, you know, like uh, plenty of our friends who produce the animals, so make sure they get, you know, a lot of people start going to them too. It's good stuff, man. I love it. So I guess the final, well, it's a three-parter, but something I, I that I think about, in terms of like you and David is the whole partnership thing. And I remember uh, there was a point where Forrest Fanning and he, you know, he had talked about partnerships on some live streams and stuff at one point. And I, he always seemed like he was kind of against them, but from the standpoint of, you know, it makes friendships very different or can. So the three parter is advice for people going into a partnership. And then the hardest part about them and the best part about them. All right. So the advice I would give, like with David and I, we're we're real friends. And yes, that can it's never put tension on our friendship. But Mm -hmm. the reason being is our personalities match well, where like we're very like open. We're very and not just that we trust each other. That's very important. Trust. Like, you know, we just go out and get this animal. You know, we trust each other to know what we're doing, whether it's caring, whether it's what we're getting, whether it's you know, any of that stuff, you got to be very, you know, you got to trust your partner and um, like, like our personalities match. Like we're not the type to, even if something goes wrong, getting in each other's face, get screamed, get pissed at each other. No, we'll talk about it. We'll be like, Hey man, I don't like how this is doing, you know, we, we should do. And you know, we'll both listen to each other and listen to what each one has to say and respect that. And, you know, do that. So you got to be very trust, and you got to be very also like open. Got to be very you got to listen, you got to be very open. So that's the advice I would give and that's why I think we work so well and why it doesn't affect our friendship is because we don't let it. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. we'll, we won't, and we won't take it home. We won't like, cause you know, just hanging out with somebody so long, even if they're just your friend, not even just your, not even your best partner, they're going to get, they can get on your nerves. You can get mad at them for doing this and that, but we'll talk about it. You know, we'll work it out and it's all good at the end of the day. Um, yeah, it's a relationship. It really is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a relationship and you got to be willing to make compromises in those relationships and you got to be trusting. Like I know what, I know David knows what he's doing and he knows what, that's why I like, I'll be like, okay, you can go ahead and do the crusty geckos or the blue tongues, whatever. It, like lets you have full control without any, even without like, hey, you know, maybe you should like, no, it's like, I trust you fully. You can go ahead and take care of that. You know, so um, what was oh, the second part of the pros and cons? Um, the pros is you get to grow like you can, you can get closer with each other, man. Like seeing David every day, we bond closer than we ever would if we were just friends. You know, it's a mm -hmm. good thing. And, and it's it's really cool to see like each other grow each other. Like it's kind of hard. Like, like I guess the. It's just very cool to see what what we what started and what it is now and yeah, to grow the, with some the evolution of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's very it's that's that's awesome to see and you you know it's great to see him and I both doing well, you know, financially doing good, being able to chase our dreams, man. Yeah, like, I mean, that's that's a big accomplishment that you're you know you're doing it full time and you're doing it successfully. Like that's yeah, a, exactly. And we just you know keep striving to get bigger and bigger and bigger and. Um, the cons is like, we don't really have any cons, but like what could go wrong is obviously, um, I've heard of partners like stealing from each mm -hmm. other. I've heard from like, you know, friendships being ruined, stuff like that. But I don't worry about that with us just cause like I said, the type of people we are, we're not going to let that affect us. I would never do anything like that to David. He, and I know for a fact, he'll never do anything like that to me. As soon as there's a problem, we talk about it, we fix it, boom. You know, we trust each other completely. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. I hope yeah. that answered your question. I don't know if I yeah, did man. answer your second or third question, but. Um, it's just, that's a, that can be a hard, like money just makes people do weird things. Yeah, know? yeah, it does. It, but it's we're not motivated. Hard thing to kind of navigate. Not everybody can can yeah, do it but we're, with full like, blind trust like that. Obviously, to a degree, we are. Mo I was going to say we're not motivated by money, but obviously, to a degree, you do have to be successful. You do have to be bringing in money. Yeah. But we're not, that's not the end goal for us is money. The end goal is just to do something we love. You know, mm -hmm. thankfully, you know, we're in this, you know, my, my, I was born here, but my parents are immigrants. He's an immigrant. You don't get that opportunity a lot of places where we come from, you know? Mm -hmm. And thankfully, we had the opportunity to do what we love and to make it a business and to make it, you know, successful the american so, dream yeah exactly and to me that's the most important thing is being able to do something you love and being able to you know pay for all your stuff support a family whatever it is you have to do like how it doesn't get better than that man yeah like, i'm a firm believer that if you you do something and you really enjoy it if you like you don't worry about what it what it brings in you just put it out and keep doing it eventually everything else will follow you know. Yeah, and if you keep doing it and you're doing it well, money's gonna come in. Yeah. Money money's gonna come in. So you just gotta keep doing it, keep grinding, you know, every every single day. And like you know, like you said, like I said, it's when it's it's easy when it's something you really like to do. Mm -hmm. It's easy. 
Honestly, I wake up and I'm like, it, I like I. Even when I was working for underground, I'd get stressed out. I mean, obviously this does still does stress you out, but like I'd be like, I don't want to be here. I'm never like that here. I'm mm-hmm. never like I don't. I wish I wasn't here. I wish I was somewhere else. Can't wait till it's Friday. Like no, I'm not like that. We're not like that here, which is an incredible feeling. You know, like I don't care. I I gotta. Sometimes we gotta come in Saturday. Sometimes we gotta come in. Sometimes we don't get a day off for three weeks if we're doing three shows back to back to back. But to me, it's not a burden. It's, I love it, so I don't mind. So I enjoy doing it. It also helps when you're not dealing with the public directly. <laughs> yeah, all right. Face, like face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Justin just and I both yeah. work retail, so we know. Yeah, it definitely helps, man. Um, but I mean, trust me, you still get crazy people all the time, whether it's an email or over the phone. But yeah, I can. It's I can just imagine in person must be. Yesterday, I wanted to throw myself down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, but especially when it's for working for somebody else, that's even more like it just adds to that, you know, because yeah. you're going through all that stress for almost for. I think it's somebody else. Yeah, it's just n- knowing, even if it's in the back of your mind, that you don't get to really call the shots. Like you're yeah. not in complete control of the of the situation and or your you know your situation. Right. You no. Know? But, I mean, that's all I had. Phil, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to touch on. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we covered pretty much everything that I wanted to get through. And uh, I just – it's awesome because I'm friends with you guys, right? I see you on a regular basis in person, but I still follow you guys on social media. <laughs> and I, I still – I get annoyed too because I'm like, damn, look at that picture of that, of that crocodile skink. That thing's gorgeous. <laughs> He didn't tell me he got those. <laughs> so I, it's just great because you guys are genuinely passionate. You have an extremely diverse, eclectic collection, and your your animals are tip top, man. And I just I think what you guys are doing is awesome. You know, it's thank, great. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that, especially coming from you. You know, we just we try our best. Yeah. Simply like we just try our best with everything. What you gotta we do. do. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And uh, we'll, we definitely, uh, in the near future, we'll get you and uh, and David on for like Snakes and Stogies, our live show, and do some show and tell, show off some of the the goods that people don't always get to see, and, uh, the, um, and yeah. ask people what they want to see because we have so much we can blab on about every species we have for an entire video. <laughs> so <laughs> that's cool, man. It'll be worth it. <laughs> so, but uh, where can uh, where can people find you, man? So you can find us. We have all the big social media platforms from YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all Tiki's Geckos, one word. And just to make sure people, the Tiki's is with an S because a lot of people just say Tiki Geckos. Like, no, it's Tiki's Geckos. Um, Our website is tikisgeckos.com. So you can follow us on all of our social media platforms, all that. Um, Look at our animals straight to our website. Have any questions, you can email us at tikisgeckos at live.com. Um, you can call us. Our numbers on the website. You know, whatever you guys need, man. Give us a call. Yeah. Give us an email. Whatever. And it's awesome. You guys actually have a real phone number because so <laughs> many, so many online companies they just don't want to physically talk to anyone. And when you're dealing with live animals, like it's important to have that communication. So it's um, awesome. And you don't know how many people like are. They're almost like. They, you know, we'll answer the phones because let's say like somebody's asking care questions and, you know, um, so they'll pass me to me or David and they'll be like, Manny, 
They're, like they'll be like shocked like that we're answering phones and like <laughs> yeah what yeah. a concept yeah. I, was, I was like yeah man i mean if anyone's gonna give you advice for the blue tongues it's gonna be me like uh you know so i we yeah. like to keep it like personal uh personable that That's goes awesome. a long way too yeah yep good stuff yeah well this show was brought to you once again by mp cages and exotics check them out and steve sanctuary and get his venom hot sauces you're helping him out with public outreach rescuing animals that are brought to him uh and helping take care of the animals that he does the public outreach with so be sure to check them out we will see everybody monday night at nine we are going to be doing the april raffle drawing right yeah we just had to do it the week after no, we're gonna do this. This okay. this snakes yeah. stogies. This so, one. got some some cool stuff in the works. Nice box of Romacraft, uh, and some Venom Life gear, and get hooked. So, enter that in the snakes and stogies group, and I think that's it. Yeah, and, and remember, yes, it's a raffle, and yes, you're getting some amazing cigars and some amazing equipment and or apparel, um, but it's also it's going to charity. You know, it's going to helping us do what we love and helping people around the world fight, you know, the most neglected tropical disease in the world, snake bite, as yep. well as mm -hmm. conservation of the animals that we love and, and appreciate. You know? yep. This so. month's proceeds are going to herpetological conservation international. And uh, a chunk of it is going to the Asclepius snake bite foundation. So it'll yeah. be good. It'll be good. It'll be awesome. Well, Manny, man, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for yeah. having me, man. And uh, absolutely, thank you, Phil. it was great to get to know you, Justin. Finally, yeah, man. Um, you know, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Whenever you guys want us on, just let us know, man. We'll make it happen. Awesome. See you later. Thanks, right, guys. Good night. Yeah.